All right, let's stand to read one verse. I'm going to read one verse, and then um, I'm going to step away from the pulpit, and we're going to show a 30-second video on what I'm speaking about today. And so let's read this brief verse out of Proverbs 15, verse 3, and then you can be seated, and let's watch the video. Read it with me, can you? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Nothing appears to be wrong. There's nothing wrong? Okay. I don't understand how somebody can simply forget an entire week. Aren't you a specialist? Everybody say with me what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. So why are you reading that and preaching on that? Because it's vacation time. (laughs) So title today, what happens in Vegas does not stay, does not stay, cannot stay in Vegas. Now, let me give you a little background about that little advertising slogan. That slogan for the city of Las Vegas has become a cultural phenomenon. You likely already uh, knew it well. You've either heard what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or what happens here stays here. It's also known as whoosh, W-H-H-S-H, the whoosh slogan. Now, here's the story behind it. It's very interesting. Vegas needed a new advertising campaign uh, to pump up tourism. So their advertising agency turned to consumers and asked the consumers how they viewed Vegas, what they expected from a visit to Vegas. And they were told time and time again that Vegas was the place they felt they could cut loose like nowhere else. One consumer put it this way, Las Vegas is the place where you do things you can't or wouldn't do anywhere else. Now, I'm going to read that again. Las Vegas is the place where you do things you can't or wouldn't do anywhere else. Now, I'm not up here to shoot Vegas down or try to turn people away from Vegas. But armed with this information, two very uh, well-paid advertising executives in their late 20s came up with the famous slogan, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Or the derivative, what happens here stays here. And that phrase, what happens here stays here, has become embedded in the popular culture. You hear it all the time. It's been used by Jay Leno six times on The Tonight Show as of this message. Billy Crystal used it when he hosted the Oscars. It's appeared as a puzzle on the Wheel of Fortune and dozens of other television shows, and even the first lady, Laura Bush, quoted the line when she was on The Late Show. What happens here stays here. And boy, was it effective for Vegas. 
In 2002, the year before the ad was launched, there were just over 35 million visitors with an average hotel occupancy rate of 84%. The year 2006 ended with nearly 39 million visitors and an average occupancy of 89.7%. What that means is tourism jumped 5% after this ad was released, which translates into millions of dollars for Vegas. A USA Today survey named the campaign the most effective of 2003, and the trade publication Advertising Age termed it a cultural phenomenon, right up there with Nike's Just Do It. Now, I want you to think about it for a minute. A city known also as Sin City came up with a slogan that embodies one of the biggest lies about sin in Satan's playbook. And what is that lie? That you can sin without consequences. You can sin in Vegas and leave it in Vegas. That you can play and not pay. That you can do wrong and walk away with no repercussions for the wrong you did. Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, I'm the first one to tell you I think you ought to have a great time on vacation. I'm not trying to be a party pooper up here or to take the air out of your balloon. I believe in enjoying enjoying life, having fun, having a lot of laughter, and letting your hair down on vacation. Amen? Amen? But the message behind the slogan is not talking about clean fun. The message is based on what the advertising executives were told. Las Vegas is the place where you do things you can't or wouldn't do anywhere else. Now, color me suspicious, but that sounds to me like sin. Shazam! (laughs) Say what? Now, I'm going to tell you what I think it's alluding to. It's alluding to what you would not or could not do anywhere else. So it's got to be talking about sex. It's got to be talking about alcohol. It's got to be talking about drugs. Or things you wouldn't do anywhere else because you're afraid if you did it anywhere else, you would get caught. So they give this lie. If you do it in Vegas, it stays in Vegas. But behind that slogan is a deeper lie. A lie that Satan often whispers to your mind and my mind. And if you're not careful, you'll believe it. You can get away with this. You can get away with this. Vegas is a place where you can sin and get away with it. You can do something wrong and get away with it. I'm not trying to ruin your vacation, but I'm bringing a word to answer the lie that is behind that slogan. Then I want to bring a positive word on what the Bible says a good vacation ought to consist of. How many of you want to know that? So I'm going to start out tough. I'm going to get easier as we go through the message. Say amen. Amen. Now, can I tell you the truth about that slogan? That slogan is, is, is not true. It's a lie. What's done in Vegas cannot stay in Vegas. First, what happens in Vegas is seen by God. Well, pastor, I came here to get blessed with a message. You're not blessing me. I'm telling you how to get blessed. See, when you, when you do what is pleasing in the eyes of God, you will get blessed. And you've got to understand that behind that slogan is a lie because what happens in Vegas is seen by God. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, and he is beholding always the evil and the good. He's got his eye on everything that is done. There's no such thing as an action without a consequence. Now, can I talk real to you all today? 
Some of you are going, well. I want you to understand that we live in a world of consequences. Now, God is God, and God is a God of grace, and God is a God of love. But we live in a world of consequences, and there's no, no such thing as an action, good or bad, without a consequence. And there's no such thing as an action that God does not see. What happens in Vegas, God sees. David the psalmist wrote, and I love this psalm, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Now, this is straight out of the Message Bible. Listen to what it says. You see me when I travel. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You see me when I sit down. You see me when I stand up. You see me when I walk. You see me when I sleep. You see me when I travel. You see where I go. You see what I do. You know what I think before I think it. You know what I'm going to say before it comes out of my mouth. Because you are omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God. If God doesn't know these things, he's not God. Only a God can know something before it takes place. He said, I know the end from the beginning. And that's why God so often will lovingly give us a warning. Because he knows the end of a thing before the beginning. See, Satan is a master at painting something to look good. Painting what is wrong to look right. He's a ma- that's his job. And he's had 6,000 years to practice on human beings. You're not his first target. You're just another one in a long line. And he still uses the same bag of tricks. Has God said? Are you sure that's what God really wants for you? Don't you deserve a break today? His job is to take what is wrong and displeasing to God and make it glisten and glimmer and shine and attractive and drawing That's what he does best. He's not going to come up to you with a pitchfork and a long red tail and horns. He's going to come up to you in what is attractive, appealing, magnetic, drawing to you. So he says, hey, you know that desire you've had for years and years? If you go to Vegas, it'll stay in Vegas. The message behind that slogan is, You can actually do something wrong that you wouldn't do anywhere else and get away with it. And that's a lie. David went on to say, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I go to Vegas, you're there. Oh, it didn't say that. (laughs) But if I go to Vegas, you're there. And so God sees what happens in Vegas. God sees this place right now. He's watching you. He's watching me. All right? Now, the second thing is what's done in Vegas won't stay in Vegas. What's done in Vegas will follow you home. It's common when you travel to bring souvenirs home with you. When Kathy and I have traveled, we have always collected coffee cups. Believe it or not, (laughs) coffee cups. And at home, we've got like... I asked her yesterday, how many do we have now? She says, it's about 50, 50 coffee cups from everywhere. And so we bring souvenirs home and souvenirs are a part of traveling. 
You want a, a memory. You want something that reminds you of that trip that you took. But you see, the message of the Bible is that you might bring home a souvenir you don't want if you go somewhere and do something that's wrong. Because you can't leave in Vegas what you do in Vegas. The message of Scripture is you cannot do a wrong thing and walk away from the consequences. You can't do it. You can't walk away from a wrong thing unscathed. The Bible says, don't be misled. Nobody makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. I believe in the mercy of grace and the grace of God as much as anybody else. But I don't believe in greasy grace. And I don't believe in sloppy agape. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'll just go do wrong and God will forgive me. Let me tell you something. If I stood you on top of a 20-story building and you jumped, God's grace would forgive you on the way down. (laughs) But you're not going to suddenly, when you're forgiven, hover in space and levitate. And God just say, oh, well, you're forgiven, so let's just put you through the nearest window onto solid ground. You're going to go splat. So guess what? You can do wrong. God will forgive you, but there will be a consequence. Why, why would you want to do wrong? Why would you want to go somewhere to do what you wouldn't do anywhere else? If you do wrong in Vegas, let me give you a few souvenirs you might bring home. If you sin in Vegas... Guilt will follow you home from Vegas. Guilt will follow you on that plane. Guilt will land with you. Guilt will take off with you. Guilt will ride with you. Guilt is the gift that just keeps on giving. And you won't leave your guilt in Vegas. It does not stay there at the airport when you board the plane. Guilt will come home with you. If you sin in Vegas a broken relationship with God, will follow you home from Vegas. Is going to Vegas and doing what you wouldn't do anywhere else for fear of being caught, is it worth breaking your relationship with God? No. He's a good God. Depending on how you sin in Vegas, you may bring home an STD. There's 33 goodies from which to choose now. Or a revived dependence on alcohol or some kind of drug. Or an empty bank account with gambling. You know, it's a funny thing. When that checkbook gets emptied or in debt, when you gamble in Vegas, it's a funny thing. When you get home, you brought that empty checkbook home. It did not change on the plane. What happened in Vegas didn't stay in Vegas. Why would you want to... Listen, can I just talk some sense to you today? Can I just be, be real commonsensical? And I hope the young people, when they're back from their trip, will play this this Wednesday night. Because I'm going to talk real honestly with you for a minute. Christians, you who love God, you who are saved, you don't even have to go to Vegas to have your own little Vegas. Vegas is any place or situation where you believe you can involve yourself in something that is wrong and not pay the consequences. You can create your own little Vegas anywhere, anytime, anyplace. It is that lie that says to you, in that situation, in that context, with that person or that thing, you can get away with wrong. And it's a lie. Some of you in here today have your own little Vegas. And some of you listening by radio, you've got your own Vegas. You don't have to travel to go there. You're already visiting Vegas, the Vegas that you have created. 
Your own private Vegas can be anywhere, anyone, anytime, any circumstance to which you retreat to do what you wouldn't do anywhere else. Now, let me talk some common sense. If God has set you free from some kind of sin outside of Vegas, why would you want to go to Vegas and rekindle it? Why? Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And so why would we, if God has set us free from something outside of Vegas, why would we travel to Vegas and rekindle a habit or a sin that was killing us, destroying us, hurting us before. Because you won't leave it in Vegas. If you open the door again in Vegas, the door is going to be open when you come back home. The reason I'm talking this way is because so many believers today dabble in things that they really should not be touching. Now, i got to tell you where I stand with this. Let me just take alcohol for an example. I can't tell you the Bible doesn't say that you can't drink alcohol because it doesn't say that. The Bible preaches against drunkenness, teaches against drunkenness. But I can tell you this. With every sip you take, your willpower to make a good decision diminishes. With every sip you take, every time you have a drink, let me put it to you this way. If I'm boxing, if I'm fighting somebody and they're in front of me swinging and I'm boxing and they're out to kill me and I allow someone to tie my hands behind my back, am I a fool? I'm a fool. When you drink, in my humble opinion as your pastor, when you drink, that drink is tying your hands behind your back. Because you can't make good decisions drinking. Think about your decisions. Think about the decisions you've made drinking and the decisions that you have made not drinking. Which ones were the best? Drinking will make a fool out of you. Alcohol will make an idiot out of you. Alcohol will bring more regrets to your life than anything in God's green earth except for drugs. And it's a drug. Well, Pastor Jeff, you know, I think there's nothing wrong going out and having a little. You you can go have a drink if you want to. I'm not saying that it's against the word, but I'm saying, why not instead learn how to get full of the Holy Spirit? Why not instead learn? Well, I'm not coming back to this church. Taking away my fun. You just hang out. I'm going to tell you how God wants you to have fun. But I, as a pastor, I deal with too many tragedies. And I'm going to tell you, Alcohol has made its way into the church in a way that sometimes stuns me. And I think that you've got to be careful that here you are, you're fighting the devil and don't get into something that does this to you. Where you lose the ability to judge right from wrong. Where your ability to make a good decision is hampered, diluted, diminished, marginalized. And that goes for the drugs. Let me tell you something. You don't ever have to try meth. You don't ever have to try cocaine. What makes you think you've got to try that? And and listen, young people, if you're watching this Wednesday night and anybody else, adults, if anybody ever approaches you with a drug, you need to look at them like they are a monster in a suit and run. Don't walk, run. Turn around and run. 
when you're facing it from my vantage point, the lives I see destroyed, the years spent in prisons for decisions made from this rot gut junk that's in our culture. When God gave us his only son, spilled his blood, released the Holy Spirit to fill us with life. Why do we need that? Well, I want to have fun. You're not going to have fun, fool. (laughs) Fool. Somebody slapped you upside the head. You may have fun for a season, but the trap is going to close and you're going to be caught. And what you now consider a choice won't be a choice. I've seen it too often. You become a slave to something God told us in the Garden of Eden to rule over. Young person, don't ever touch a drug. Don't touch pot. Don't touch a cigarette. Don't touch alcohol. Don't touch speed. Don't touch coke. Don't touch crack cocaine. Fool if you touch that crack cocaine. And anybody who comes to you says, hey, man, come on, have a little fun. A fool is looking at you. A liar is looking at you. Your enemy is looking at you. You think they're going to be there when you're standing in front of a judge and he says 10 years, 15 years. Oh, no. They'll be there for the party, but they're gone when the bills come due. I promise you. So what will I do with my life? Walk with God. Fulfill your potential. Live out your calling. That's what you'll do. Cultivate your mind, cultivate your spirit, become more like Jesus Christ, become a mature believer in the things of God. Get out there and be an answer instead of a question mark. Boy, I didn't plan on getting this heavy about this, but I just, this is something we've just got to have. That's why it's a lie. What happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. You take it home with you. It'll stay with you. The good news is that God wants you to have a great vacation. <laughs> he really does. He's like, oh, I wasn't going to take any vacation after this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just see too many lives being destroyed. And I'm going to talk about this from time to time. I am so sick and tired of seeing good people brought down by that junk. The good news is that God wants you to have a great vacation. The Bible reveals that Jesus believed in taking breaks from business and busyness. Did you know that? One day, Jesus noticed his disciples stressed out, tired, and overworked. Here's what the Bible says. Quote, then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. They couldn't even sit down and eat. They couldn't take a 10-minute lunch break. They were so busy. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves 
to a quiet place and get some rest. God said that. Jesus said that. The disciples were in a whirlwind of endless activity. Like many of you, you don't know if you're coming or going anymore. You're so busy, you've got to ask somebody next to you what day it is. What's the date? What did we do this time last week? Life's going by in a blur. People were coming and going. They had erratic schedules, constant pressure. Do this, do that, go here, go there, go, 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 go. Jesus saw this. I said, Jesus saw their weariness. And Jesus said, take a break, a vacation, a siesta, a time away. I want you to take a break. And he gave the keys to a truly restful, invigorating, refreshing, rejuvenating vacation. Here's the first thing he said. First, you got to come away. You got to come away. Everybody say with me, come away. Now, he didn't say, don't take a break because you might sin. He said, take a break without sin. What a novel idea. (laughs) Take a break without sin. Then he said, guess what? The world won't fall apart if you're not there to hold it up. Come on, Atlas, put the world down and get away. Come away, Jesus said. An old proverb warns, the bow always bent will finally break. You can't constantly go, go, go without taking a break. Second thing he said is, here's the key, take me with you. Take me with you. Isn't that beautiful? Take me with you. Let me quote the Bible again. He said, come with me to a quiet place. Let me just go ahead and since I've already preached so hard already, say it. If you're going somewhere you can't take Jesus, don't go. You ought to be able to say, come on, Lord. And and you ought to be able to hear him say, amen. I like that. Let's go. See, whether or not you have a true vacation all hinges on this. Did you go somewhere where you could take him and did you take him? He didn't just say get away. He said get away with me. Get away with me. Jesus knows all about getting refreshed and rejuvenated. He knows all about it. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. now I'm quoting the Bible here. You're not going to believe it, but this is the Bible. It's out of the message Bible. Listen to this quote, Jesus talking. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Then it goes on. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Jesus said that. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If you begin to walk with me and learn to walk with me, life won't be a constant burden and a drag on you. Take me with you on vacation. Let's go together. Jesus knew that when you're worn down and out, true rest begins with your soul. That's where true rest begins, with your soul, with your interior life being refreshed and rejuvenated. Now, I want you to catch this one because you are a very 
beautifully, wonderfully, magnificently created creature of God. He made you body, soul, and spirit. You are tripart. And no other created thing can say that. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. He made you in his image. He's three-part. God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Ghost. You're three-part. Body, soul, spirit. Your life force flows from your inner man, your interior life. True rest begins from the inside out, not the outside in. Notice this. Jesus offers what we think a few pina coladas next to a tropical pool with some luau music playing in the background is going to do. If I just get to the tropics, give me that pina colada, give me that luau music, and just leave me by the seashore and I'll rest. Jesus says to that, follow me and I'll show you real rest. Now, let me tell you a secret. Here's a secret. This is true. You can lie next to the rolling waves of Hawaii for three weeks without lifting a finger to work at anything. But if your spirit man doesn't get ministered to and refreshed, you will not have done what you needed to do. Have you ever gone on a vacation and come back more tired? Where have you been? Vacation. Did you have a good time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you get rested? <laughs> I hadn't slept in days, but yeah, I guess so. Jesus said, if you're going to rest, you're going to have to go to a quiet place. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be somewhere where there's no noise, no activity, no fun, no nothing. But part of your vacation has got to be in the quiet. By quiet, here's what I mean by quiet. You tune out the media. Tune out the noise. Allow your soul to gather its wits. Give yourself plenty of time to be still. Let me read Psalms 46.10 to you from the Message Bible. Quote, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Another version advises, let be and be still and know that I am God. You know, some of you, I couldn't get you to be still if I had a gun to your head. You, your mind, your brain, your head would pop if I tried to get you to be still. Because we don't live in the age of information. We live in the age of distraction. It's coming at us from every angle. The media invading your mind every waking second. Jesus said, come away with me to a quiet place. And rest a while. Your soul's like a radio. Sometimes it easily pulls in God's signals to you. You're fellowshipping with him. You know what he's saying to you. Like a radio that's tuned into the station, G-O-D. You hear his voice. You're in tune with him. But there's other times competing signals bring static to the sound you're hearing. And you're trying to pick God out. But there's this voice, that voice, the other voice, the voice of your soul, voice of others, the voice of the media, the voice of the enemy. And you can't find Heaven's station. You're trying to tune in KGOD. 
But you can You need to get away from the noise and the distractions and tune back in. To do this, you're going to have to get still and quiet. That's one of the important functions of a vacation. Even a boxer gets out of the fight, goes to the corner of the ring, and rests and listens to his manager. Then he gets back in. All right, now, got a fresh word. It's a left instead of a right. Y'all hear me today? Even a boxer gets out of the fight. I'm sure you remember the famous line from Chevy Chase's movie, Vacation, where the Griswold family, while on their way to Wally World, have rented a terrible car. They've been threatened with violence in a rough neighborhood. They've gotten lost in the desert and all these terrible things. One of the kids finally says, are we having fun yet? (laughs) The message there is that vacation can be even more hectic than real life if you don't vacate right. Sometimes you need a vacation from the vacation. What are you doing? I'm taking a break. Why? From vacation. (laughs) Jesus said you won't truly rest unless you get some prolonged quiet time with him. Listen, within the context of a clear conscience. The good news of all of this is what happens in Vegas when you go there with him in the context of a clear conscience and some quality quiet time focused on the Lord will not stay in Vegas. You'll bring the blessing, the refreshing, the rejuvenation, and the rested and peaceful interior life back home with you. Hallelujah. So can you say with me today, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. Can we stand together? I want to make an appeal as we get ready to close. You know, there's a scripture that says, choose you this day who you will serve. And you can either choose life or you can choose death. It's a choice. And nobody's going to make you do one or the other. And I can sit up here and preach till I'm blue. I can't, I can't change anybody's mind. The Word of God can, but I can't. But can I, can I just sow um, just a, from, the, from, from my heart to you, if somebody is approaching you, and you say, well, Pastor, has somebody told you something about me? You'd be amazed what people say. They'll come up to me after church and say, my husband called you. Or they say, did my kid call you? How'd you know that? Well, all I do is I go and I say, Lord, what are you saying to our church? So Santa Claus took God's truth. Santa Claus doesn't know if you've been bad or good. He does. Now watch this. If somebody is approaching you with a drug, Would you be smart and run? If you're developing a drinking problem, 
Would you get help and stop it before you're in a tragedy? And learn to access God. He wants to be your all in all. And if you're going to go on vacation, would you take him with you? You'll come back just the way it ought to be. Boy, rested, tanned, happy, fresh word from the manager before you get back into the boxing match. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? I love you, and that's the only reason I'm saying these things to you. I love you. And I'm tired of seeing Christians get hurt with this stuff. So I'm going to tell you the truth. You may not come back to this church. You're never going to forget what I said. I pray you're haunted. (laughs) And you do understand I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I love you. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. But I am... I think I have the spirit of God and I'm giving you some counsel and you don't have to pay for this. Father, I just thank you for your presence here today. And I pray, Lord, that the spirit of counsel, you're our counselor. I pray the spirit of counsel just moves on these people and everyone listening by radio that you will deliver us, Lord, from the traps of Satan. Deliver us, Lord, from the snares of death and help us to walk in liberty. Help us to walk in peace. Help us to walk in joy. And we just thank you for it. Now, with your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor, there is something that I'm fighting. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front unless you wanted to, but I want to pray for you. If you can say, there's something I'm fighting And I know that it's got a grip on me that is not God's will. Could I ask you right now? And I'm I'm just moving with the Spirit here for a minute. You can say, it's got a grip on me, and I want it broken. Would you slip your hand up in the air right where you are? I bless you all over this place. Many people. Now, here's what I'm going to say. If you want to come down and I'll pray for you, lay hands on you and agree with you. There's no shame in it. There's not a person in this room, not hardly one who could say there's never been a time in my life once where I wasn't bound to something. If you want to come down and say, I'll let you pray for me. Come now. If you want to stay where you are, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but God's moving. We've got to, listen, we've got to declare war against this garbage and get set free. And so I want you to come if you want to come. If you want to stay there, we're going to pray in just a moment. But begin to walk right now if that's what you need. You come now as we sing.